Hi, everyone. We are in the next episode and iteration of the Duval Dams podcast. Uh, today, we have a special guest uh, who is here uh, from the National Expungement Week, Expungement Week Organization. See, it's a tongue twister. Um, acronym is new. Uh, Sasha is here to talk more about what the National Expungement Week is and how you can get involved with this new organization. Um, so Sasha, why don't you take it away and explain to us uh, what the National Expungement Week is and how people can get involved at a local level. Awesome. Uh, National Expungement Week, we're in rebranding, so it's National Expungement Works now. Because uh, we're going to a year-round organization. We've been trying to make that move for a little while. So we're going year-round now. And that's why I've been pushing here hard in Jacksonville. We are a national organization um, found in most states. We still do need to cover some other states. But we are here to help people get their records sealed and expunged so they get their real second chance after they have served their time in become returning citizens. And uh, with the new, with the amendment four that just passed uh, in Florida, I imagine there's a huge universe of people that, um, that you all are trying to reach out to to try to get um, their rights back, especially since um, the legislature passed laws that essentially make it even more difficult for them to have their rights restored. Definitely. Um, the national push is for automatic expungement in every state. That's a ways off, but they've accomplished it um, more or less in Los Angeles County. And they're very, very close to the finish line in Michigan. Florida, we're just getting started, guys, so I need everybody's help to get this done. <laughs> but yeah, they've made it. Although you're eligible to get your rights back, they made it a lot more difficult of a process, which was unnecessary and unfortunate, but we're here to help people uh, be able to navigate that process and at least get started to be able to get their rights back, especially, you know, because everybody was so excited to be able to vote in the, in the 2020 election, and we need to keep that momentum going into 2022. You're exactly right. Um, so starting off, how what kind of our resources does the organization provide in and what types of charges are eligible um, uh, for assistance? So we provide um, legal assistance. Uh, we file all of your paperwork. We also pay the application fees uh, because it is a multi-step process and we have to make sure we've covered everything here in Florida. Um, so because it's a one-shot one deal here in Florida. Once you apply for a particular charge to be sealed or expunged, you don't get a second bite of that apple. Um, so yeah, if you have a drug events and you happen to get that expunged and you happen to do that once again, yeah, that's it. You get one bite of the apple. So we go through the long process around other than most states to make sure that we pull your fingerprints and get the complete record back from FDLE to make sure we get 
everything as far as that we can. The list of charges that can be expunged is way longer than the list of ineligible uh, charges. Um, those charges range from uh, abuse or uh, not abuse, assault or battery on a Leo, a law enforcement officer. Um, most things against the Leo would disqualify you. Uh, assault with strangulation, some other assault and batteries. It's a real short, I think there's like maybe 10, 12 items on that list. But where you get into the weeds and why we have legal help is because there are specific, very specific statutes and very specific wording under those broad categories that most people think that they don't uh, qualify, but they do once you get into the weeds. So we have lawyers that review all of your charges to go over to make sure we can seal and expunge everything we can get our hands on. That's great. And I imagine um, there was this bipartisan bill, I believe it was SB 274, um, that was passed in the legislature this session that would have aided uh, minors that are convicted of felonies to have the eligibility of those being expunged. Right now, they're eligible to have their misdemeanors expunged through the process, but this bill would have extended that to felonies. That was recently vetoed um, by the governor. So how much more difficult does this make it for, for minors that commit these offenses before they're 18 um, to really have a second chance when they become adults? Honestly, it's criminal what Florida is doing to our kids and to our adults. They've done what was required of them, which was to serve their time and complete their sentence. And most of them have paid their fines and fees. So this should be a no-brainer for the layperson, you and I and other activists and just regular individuals would think that this would be automatic. But the more tedious they make it, the more recidivism they're going to get, which is kind of what the purpose is. And if they keep that pipeline going, all of them make money. And since we're for-profit prisons now, they want to stay in business. So they make it incredibly hard. And they also bury a lot of the information. It's on the website. I've gone down rabbit holes on the FDL website and missed hours of time trying to do research. So the, the information is there, but it is very, very tedious and very, very hard to get to a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I don't I, think you're the first, you know, I don't think you're the first person to say that getting information from the state of Florida is difficult in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people come to find out they didn't even know that they could have their records sealed or expunged. That's number one. A lot of lay people and returning citizens do not know that they can have their records sealed or expunged. And to me, that was just an absolute crime shame. So um, some people may... Um, and I, I don't want to make the assumption that everyone knows what expungement is, um, but can you explain the, what the process here in Florida is 
And is it different from the track some people take if they want clemency um, or a pardon? Or is it all the kind of same process is just what they select? Clemency and pardon is totally different. Um, <laughs> we are not there yet. Um, so when you get your record expunged, you are applying, and it's a multi-step process, but you are applying to the state of Florida to have those records and your charges, conditions, whatnot, that qualify. You're having those sealed off from the public eye. So when you go to an employer and fill out an application, you don't have to check that I'm a prior felon. Uh, when you go to apply for an apartment or on a loan application, anything of that nature, those records are sealed off from people that are not law enforcement or government entities that need that information. So law enforcement will still be able to get that information. Um, state attorneys, entities like that, the courts, they will have access to that information always. But the public, unless it's been put on a third-party website, would not have access to your criminal charges, convictions, or your record. All right. So when let's just say I, I have a record and I've gotten them um, successfully expunged and I go apply for a job uh, and they ask the question of, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Um, would I say yes, no? Would I put a other and say expunged? How, how does that work? That's a tricky area for some people because 99% of the time, if you check no and you had your record expunged, that information will not come up in their the public background check. Uh, if they have an if they have access to the National Crime Database, which is the NCIC, then that information will show up. So it depends on what kind of job you're applying for, um, what kind of entity you're dealing with. And it also, to me, honestly, is always the best policy. But, 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 the perception is if you check that box that you've already been counted out for the job. Me, I would roll the dice. I guess. And say, hey, <laughs> I know, it's, see yeah. what happens. Because either way, yeah. if it comes back, or if you check yes, you've already been discounted. Right. And I'm not saying that is legal advice because I'm not a lawyer yet. Hmm. Yet, but just for me personally, I would check now. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of times, and in, in, you see this. Uh, and it's going to be different if you're like a small business owner and you're trying to to hire someone to help out in your business or your shop, yeah. as opposed to if you're like a mid-sized or corporation and you may have the resources and expense to to pay for that. What was the acronym for the national search? You said NC NCIC. Yes, NCIC. And not all, even all businesses, even no matter how big they are, have access to NCIC. You have to be some kind of public service, governmental financial institution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Got it. So 
we've explained what expungement is. We, we kind of explained the process um, and, and, and how your organization can provide resources. How can activists, volunteers get involved to try to aid people to get these types of resources and bring more visibility to the organization? Um, if you're here in Duval, I am accepting all the comfort. <laughs> this is the altar call? <laughs> come bring no offering required. Just come to the altar. <laughs> um, just contact me. Um, we have uh, a dedicated number for uh, Jackson's Management. It's 904-618-1105. We also have an email address, jaxexpungement, J-A-X expungement at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook at jaxexpungement. You can message me. You can post. I don't care. Just contact me. The work is plenty. The work is plenty. And Jacksonville is a very large city, as we know. Largest city land-wise, so we've got a lot of ground to cover. We're doing our first event on the west side of town um, in July 24th, so we'll be able to get those people. We're trying to make it accessible for those people that are disadvantaged and may not have the transportation to make it to the north side or make it downtown or make it to the south side. I'm trying to hit every side of town. Um but we still have all of Florida to do. And I'm already getting calls to go to Orlando and Tallahassee mm -hmm. and down to Broward County and Miami-Dade. And so there's a lot of work to do. I truly do need um, a Jacksonville organizer because as the state coordinator, I'm now doing Jacksonville and trying to manage the state. So I'm trying to get a Jacksonville organizer on board. I can't let you go on this one because I know I'm going to get this question. So I have to ask this question. Is this volunteered? Is this a paid position? What's the what's the deal with the with the position? The organizer position does come with a stipend. Okay. I'm not gonna say you more balling out, but <laughs> you will get some money for your effort. Yes, that is it is a paid position. There's a small stipend uh with the uh, with the organizer position. And in the past I've had to pay a little bit of money to volunteers. Um, that's just a Jacksonville thing. I'm not sure why. <laughs> but that's a that's a politics thing. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I, I'm glad you answered that question because I think a lot of times uh, sometimes people are uh, either afraid or they don't want to ask the question. But in, in the world that we live in now, everyone wants to ensure that there's full disclosure. Yes. Um, about these types of opportunities. Okay, so um, for the change you're trying to uh, get done nationally, um, it's a big task. Obviously there, there's bills um, in Washington right now in Congress, like the George Floyd Policing and Reform Act is obviously uh, one that would reform policing across the state. Um, they were able to get, uh, I think one bill, I forgot the number passed in the legislature this session, um, about creating some bare standards for, uh, police involvement and in reporting. Um, what else do you want to see 
at the state level to try to bring some more transparency and accountability to policing? Oh, to policing. We need to have even. I read just... the website. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, we, we're for everything that they're doing, trying to do nationally. We definitely need it here in Florida. The transparency of just being able to go to a different county 10 miles to your south or 10 miles to the west, and after you committed something here and you can totally get higher on in Clay County you know, versus being fired at JSO or retired from JSO because you committed an act that is just unconscionable to the community. I think you just, you you said the the thing that's not supposed to be said out, out loud. It's the retired, retired form. Okay, gotcha. All right. Oh, this is, oh, geez. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, um, just that idea that that is just something that can be done is just ridiculous to me. Um, there needs to be way more accountability. Body cams should be automatic. And when you answer a call, they should go on, period. Unless there is, you know, well, there's not many reasons I can probably think of or that people would think of that they need to be turned off. They need to be on. It needs to be an automatic process. Something when you get out of the car after you've taken a call and you're saying, I'm going to report to this call, your body cam should come on. And there shouldn't be a way for you to turn it off. There, there just shouldn't. Not voluntarily. Or I'm just going to go. There was a video I saw of a guy in New York uh, he didn't turn his call on. He went in with intent. Thank God the other officer had his body cam on because he just walked right down the hallway, wasn't listening to the gentleman. He was not posing a threat to anyone. And he just went up and struck him, struck him. And then after he was handcuffed and seated on the floor, kneed him in the face. None of this would have been public or known if the... If the, uh, the the guy who was being arrested would have just had his word. And it, it's just it's ridiculous to me. It doesn't make any sense. We need to hold people who are held, that hold these types of positions. We hold doctors to these positions. We even hold teachers to a higher standard. I'm a cosmetologist by trade. It took me nine months to go through cosmetology school to hold a pair of scissors. They don't even let you hold the scissors within the first couple months. But you get 30 days, almost not even 30 days of gun training to be out in the public. That makes no sense. 1,200 hours versus how many months you spend at the police academy. That's never going to reconcile with me. I hear you there. So is there anything that we can do at a local level when it comes to um, our sheriff, our state attorney, and the way that they handle police-involved incidents um, that involve the public, how we can bring more accountability there? Or is this all 
have to be legislative acts that are passed at a state level and at a federal level to, to truly bring reform? The reform comes from the people. The reform has always come from the people. The legislative acts that people, you know, that get passed still come from the voice of the people. So if we don't speak up, if we don't go to these meetings, if we don't call the state attorney's office or JSO, if we don't um, ask the supervisor of elections, you know, how are you going to take care of this, this budget for um, these drop boxes? Or how are you going to pay the people who have to monitor these drop boxes? If we don't hold these people accountable and hold their feet to the fire, they, they walked into this dangerous job. So we need to know how are you going to handle this job in a much better way. Our lives are at stake. Not just your lives are on the line. All of our lives are at stake. And we would like for everybody to live through these encounters. And until that happens, we've got to speak up. And we've got to speak up loud. And we've got to speak up often. And how do you think we, we I think a lot of times on whatever side of this, uh, of this topic you're on, you, Sometimes we, we fall in that habit of looking at this through a prism of, of one side, one side compared to the other side. It's like it, we, we create this conflict immediately when we start this discussion. Mm -hmm. How can we open this up to say we just want accountability with law enforcement officers that are sworn to protect, uh, but at the same time, we want to make sure that we have more people that look like me and you uh, enter law enforcement so that way we have the diversity of thought and experience that makes policing a lot safer and a lot more accountable uh, and uh, are able to try to bring the life experiences that we need them to have to truly understand the communities that they're protecting. Honestly, I know for me, mm -hmm you get into these conversations uh, with, and I have officers that are clients. I have officers that are friends. Um, I know a couple of the chiefs. I know these people and I love these people. And I want them to come home safe every day, every day. But I also want their encounters to be more transparent. And I need their, the encounters with the public to, to make more sense, to come in like a cowboy, you know, of old days with guns blazing, <laughs> that never solved anything. More people always ended up dead than diplomacy. At least ask the question first. After you've emptied your clip, there are no questions to ask. Um, but I understand they want to go home. I do. I, I want everybody I know that's on the force, even those I don't know, I want them to go home safe every day. I pray that they don't have the kind of encounters that we see on these video clips and around the country, around the world. I pray that that never happens here in Jacksonville, but it does. And it has. And until we have people that don't look like you and me, fully engaged, and not defensive. And I understand you're not a racist. 
and I understand that you're not a, a member of the Ku Klux Klan. I understand you're not about white pride. I totally get that because we can have this conversation. But once the defenses go up, then it's impossible. And that's where we are right now. Everybody's defending their rampart. Everybody's defending their station. And nothing can get through until somebody throws a flag on the I think, and this may simplify it to a level that it's probably unfair, but I think sometimes when you're when you're dealing with two sets of groups of people that have strong opinions <laughs> about these topics, and, and this is one of those topics that people have strong opinions on, yes. uh, because our culture uh, enamors law enforcement it enamors people in authority it, it it we we grew up with this belief that we should inherently trust everything that they do and the service that they provide and now we're in a space and it's not just law enforcement it's not like just criminal for um criminal justice reform it's it's government in general people don't have that layer of inherent trust anymore so they want to create a layer of, of protection, not only for, for them, but also for the people that they interact with. Um, a lot of times we hear discussions about all the layers of protection and statute um, that protect law enforcement in these situations. We never have that discussion about the rights of the individual that they're interacting with and how it's inherently unbalanced um with the the social construct that we've created um and to get back to to the discussion i think ensuring that we're all coming to the table as equals and that may be hard <laughs> for some people um because when you have a badge you're in a position of authority uh, and when ego. you're an act it's it's ego and then at the same time if i'm an activist and i see dozens and dozens and dozens of videos online of bad interactions that we can't deny how much of an impact that has to people's psyche as to how they, they, they see these organizations. Um, so is it just getting people in a room and, and trying to come up with a clean state slate and start from scratch or, or, or is it just, what your organization is doing, expungements, police reform, um, rethinking the way that we, we do law enforcement. Is it a, a piecemeal approach that we need to do to really bring forth change? It really is piecemeal because the more people I expunge, the better our community gets because now people can get better jobs. Now they can get better housing. Now they don't have to return to the same acts, prior bad acts, that got them into the system anyway. You can develop a different way of thinking when you have a better job to go to. Mm. And when you think differently like that, when you have something for yourself, then you, you want to be proud of what you've done. And, and you're ready to go out and be a part of society. You don't have to move in certain circles and do different things in order to stay out of jail, because guess what? Now I have a $20 an hour job. Mm -hmm. And I can afford to feed my family and do, you know, the other things that society allows without breaking the law. And you get better quality workers. 
returning citizens I know, one guy just blew me away. Two master's degrees. And he's driving for DoorDash right now. And he had to fight to get that job. Fight. Uber hired him. Lyft would not. Two master's degrees. You're a smart guy. There is no limit to what you can do for the community given the chance. But we don't give him a chance. And guess what? He's white. So it's, it, it, it is beyond me how you can penalize someone for the bad acts that they deserve to be penalized for. But when they've done their time and they've done their sentence, you release them back and leave them to their own wits. You don't provide them any resources, any pipelines to employ them, even, even if it's just to McDonald's. There should be some kind of uh, some accountability that when you leave, you just don't report to your parole officer. You have to report to a job, even if it is menial. At least that gets you back into the rhythm of society. Small things like that. Yeah, talking in a room, black people, white people, Asian, indigenous, whoever. Putting us in a room is only going to cause offenses to go up, unfortunately. And that's where nothing gets heard and nothing gets done. Um, and then sometimes nothing gets done or nothing gets heard because everybody's scared to talk. Right. And although I'm not one of those people... <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> myself would be the first person to speak up if no one would, you know, if no one would say anything. But everybody's not like that. And until we get to a point where it's okay for people to know and recognize that most people of color have post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and we need real healing, not just, not just reparations, but also healing, like real mental mind-body connection, healing with all the trauma that we experience. It's not going to change, not for the better. I, I think that's thought-provoking, um, because th this is a multifaceted issue. Um, it's not only legislative, it's, it's not only just the, the notes of bolts of, of getting someone expunged, it's their mental health um, and, and how they view themselves. And I, I think one thing that always sticks with me because sometimes um, President Biden has a tendency of like saying something like repeatedly to try to get it into, into people's kind of psyche. And, and one thing he says um, that kind of speaks to the situation, and then we'll, we'll try to end it there, is his dad always told him never underestimate how much of an impact it has on someone to have a job. It's their dignity. Um, 
And you're exactly right. We, we throw people out there to fend for themselves, expect them to get a job, expect them to be a productive member of society, give them no resource to do so, and are surprised when they end up right back in a jail cell because they had to do something in order for them to, to get by. Um, that, that's the issue that we have. Um, organizations like yours obviously are trying to work to, to make that a little bit easier. Um, and I hope we can stay in this fight to make sure that we, we see some real change out there because the, the path we're on is not sustainable. Um, All right. Well, why don't you give people the contact information one more time um, as to how they can get involved with um, the national expungement was it works? You said works. Works. Yes. All right. See you. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Sasha Wilson. I forgot to get my last name earlier. Um, I'm Sasha Wilson, and I am with National Expungement Works. Um, we are working under the name right now of Jackson Jacks Expungement. You can find us on Facebook at Jacks Expungement. You can email us jacksexpungement at gmail.com. And you can also call for volunteer opportunities and or donations and sponsorships at 904-618-1105. All right. Well, thank you, Sasha. Really appreciate uh, you coming on our podcast um, to hear more sessions like this because this one was really good. I just have to say that. <laughs> to hear more podcasts like this, uh, log on to any podcast platform that you have every Monday and you'll hear another episode uh, with the Duval Dems. So thank you for joining us today. Thank, thank you so much. much.